I looked for a definition of wonder and uh, I came up with this one I found somewhere. It said, a feeling of amazement, respect and admiration caused by something beautiful or remarkable. So just try and gather all that in your mind at once. See if you agree with me. A feeling of amazement, respect and admiration caused by something beautiful and remarkable. So leading up to Christmas, we're going to have four studies. Uh, we're going to have a study on the wonder of life, the wonder of light, the wonder of love, and the wonder of hope. And we're going to see how all of these wonders are fulfilled in Jesus, in Christ. And this leads up to Christmas Day, so we're packaging all of this, this idea of the wonder of the world, the wonder of life, and the wonder of all these aspects in how we discover Jesus through them. There was a comedian, I'm going to try and tell a joke. <laughs> uh, it's a great way to introduce, so people sort of tend to laugh more. But, um, there was a comedian who said, I intend to live forever. So far, so good. Thank you. <laughs> So we do, we do like to think we can live forever, especially if we believe there is eternal life. We like to believe we can live forever. But as we get older, we look at our bodies and for me, just aging away, you realize life is finite. You think in your mind, it is finite. There's a kind of, seems to be a beginning and end to it. And when you try and define life, there are different ways to think about it. We can think about it from the um, scientific point of view, we can think about it perhaps from the spiritual point of view, which I want to talk about a bit later. And it amazes us whatever way you look at life. So I was pondering the question, what is the origin of life? So I turned to the source of all truth, Wikipedia, and it said really beautifully, the origin of life is a scientific problem which is not yet solved. Then I discovered in a newspaper when I was doing some Googling, just a few weeks ago, a journalist by the name of John von Radovich wrote this headline, alien bugs may have hitched a lift to earth on a speck of dust, on a speck of space dust, scientists claim. So he's thinking, could life have come through a speck of space dust? And I was pondering this and thinking, I wonder where the speck of space dust came from to bring this so-called alien life. I want to talk more about the source of life from a spiritual point of view. And my first point is that the source of life is God. And we can be amazed by a, a, like a cell, a collection of cells under a microscope and somewhere in them, someone here may know what cells they are. I'm not sure what they are, but uh, on, on the screen. But these cells show us, they're the building blocks of all living organisms. So when we look at that, we think, is this what life is about? But they build into each one of us. Spiritually, we, there is another view that we can, we can take of the wonder of life. From the scriptures, I want to read Nehemiah verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 6. Nehemiah, one of the prophets in the Old Testament, 
writes beautifully to in praise of God, you alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heavens worship you. It's a kind of perspective we take by faith. It says here that God made everything. And everything on the earth and in the seas, you give life to everything. So it is a spiritual perspective. If you said to me, how can you prove it? You know, scientists amongst us, how can you prove that God did this creating? We can't prove it. We can't prove it and give a scientific explanation. It's something that we have to take by, by faith in our hearts. And by faith, and I find that as you go along in faith through life, your faith is confirmed. The things you think about are confirmed as you go along. You say, From this, in this moment, I realise God did create. We see those wonderful things on the list there, like this, the stars. You say, I believe God created them. There's something that transcends the material and the scientific that meets us in our heart, that God was the creator. From creation, God has been intimately involved with us and with all life. In Genesis chapter 2, 7, it says that God formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. In the Hebrew, there is a word they use for spirit, which is ruach. And that word means, in the, the root of the word means more a breath or a powerful driving wind. It's like the power of God in a, a movement of air. So when I read this, it says that God breathed life into the man. It's, it kind of fascinates me. It's a beautiful thought that we have been created kind of out of the dust, you could say out of the molecules, out of the cells, but there's some breath of life in us that's the very breath of God that's been breathed into our nostrils so that we became a living being. I wanted to go a bit further than this. When we think of... Uh, the next thought I had is that Jesus demonstrates life. And uh, I think I've got a T-shirt there. It's quite an old kind of cliche. Some of you may never have seen that before, but it says... No Jesus, no life, meaning N-O, no. No Jesus, no life. So if you K-N-O-W Jesus, you'll know life. You can still buy the T-shirts. But if we want to know what life is about, we find no better place to look than in the person of Jesus. Sometimes I'm often thinking, God, the invisible, how do you grapple with an invisible creator and being but when I read about Jesus it all starts to make sense you get a, a picture of Jesus in the Bible you see the human side of him but you also see the godly side of him and suddenly we get this picture I'm beginning to understand now that Jesus demonstrates the life of God he shows us what true life is it is embodied in his person God's nature is captured in the person his son 
It's a few verses on what Jesus said about himself. In John chapter 14, 3 to 6. Now John chapter 14 was when Jesus was on the way to the cross. It was just probably the day before. It was probably the time of the Last Supper. There's a series of chapters in John which just one after the other, they're in the same time frame. And Jesus is just about to be arrested and to be crucified. But he says this. He says some important things at this stage. But he says to his disciples, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, I'm the way, the truth and the life. It's one of those sort of things you hear a few times, but if you think about it, it's a pretty, it's a wonderful thing to say, but also a difficult thing to grapple with. Jesus is, at that time, a human being is saying, I am the way to God. You know, I'm the truth about God and I am the life. If you find me, you will find life. We know Jesus is referenced as the creator of life in the Bible. We think at, at Christmas time, we think of Jesus as the little baby born in the manger who grew up to be the, the saviour of the world. But the scripture paints a picture of Jesus who existed in all time from the earliest day of creation or even before creation for all eternity. Paul writes about this in Colossians 1 from verse 15 to 20. He says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. That, that's a pretty powerful expression. How can someone be the image of the invisible? How can someone be the visible of the invisible? But he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or names, oh, sorry, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So I kind of underline, in him all things were created, everything, and all things hold together. You know, the molecules, there's something spiritual there, they hold together because of Jesus. The stars have their orbits because of Jesus. Chairs you're sitting on, hopefully, uh, are held together by Jesus. So when we think about Jesus, he being a creator, it's not just uh, that he created, but he is a part of everything existing in creation and continuing creation. In John 1, from the very beginning of that uh, chapter, it says, through him, that is Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So in Jesus was life, the one who created all things. And as he created, he gave life. Next scripture is very well known, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's saying, or Jesus was saying there, this is how much God loved the world, that he gave his only son for us. He says, believe in him. If you give your life to him, if you believe in Jesus, then you will inherit eternal life. There's a belief that comes from our hearts for him that gives us that life eternal, life forever, the promise of the Father to those who receive the Son, Jesus. I was thinking about this. I feel this is a really important thing for our church and for all of us to, all of us to grapple with. When we... You may grow up in a church situation. You know, you say, well, I'm doing the right things. I'm going to church, reading my Bible, praying, um, serving, doing various things. And one of the dangers that I notice for myself and everyone is that we can develop like a religious practice. And when I say that, that's not a good thing. Some might think that sounds pretty good, but a religious practice, there's a set of things that we're going through. You know, going to church, doing the right thing, reading our Bibles. And when we do that, we feel, yes, tick the box. I'm done. I've done all the right things. I'm a real follower of Jesus. But Jesus wants us to know him as a person, to know him intimately and personally. So we can fulfill all the great things, but um, if we don't know who he is, what's the point of that? And I wanted to share a scripture right on this topic, John 5. 39 to 40. Jesus is talking to the Jews who have been opposing him and criticizing him. He says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in, it, in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. Yet you are unwilling to come to me to have life. So an interesting thing. He's not saying don't read the scriptures. He's not saying the scriptures are pointless. Now, I believe God's word speaks to us through the scriptures and gives us the message of Jesus. What Jesus is saying is that you can become so um, into the trappings of Christ that you forget about Jesus. It's possible. And it becomes a religious experience and not a life-giving experience. So he's saying, all these scriptures talk about me. And you haven't, he said to the Jews, you haven't realized that. You're looking for eternal life, and yet you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. So do you understand the distinction there? The difference between doing all the things and actually knowing Jesus in your heart. It's a relationship with him. So I've said uh, the origin of life is God. Jesus demonstrates life. And the third point is, he gave his life so that we may have life. It sounds like a contradiction, but he gave his life so that we may have life. When we think about life, we often think you're born, grow up, so mature, then die. That's the natural course of events. But Jesus said, no, that's wrong. That's not actually the way it is says you were dead in your sins. You began life with the sin nature in your body. So when you began life, you were already dead. But then, when you find Jesus, 
we are reborn, this expression, born again. So we've actually come from being dead into new life. So strangely, it's the opposite. We're thinking, born, die, okay, we're dead, then we're born. It's a great scripture in Colossians. I want to read to you Colossians 2, 13. It's exactly this, Paul writes, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, that means all our sins, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away and nailed it to the cross, nailing it to the cross. So our sins are through the cross. They're nailed. They're put to death. The, the deadness of us is put to death on the cross with Jesus. And Paul writes, God made you alive with Christ. It's a wonderful passage. Our sins died with him. Jesus gave his life to give us life. It's a fascinating thing that God would give the most precious person to him, his own son, to that terrible death for our benefit. Nothing We couldn't have done it, but Jesus did it for us so that we may have life. And the last point I wanted to talk about, I titled, Being in Relationship with Him. So we think, well, I've got Jesus in my life, so that's a good thing, and you know, hopefully eternal life. Jesus wants more than that. He wants us to be living the type of life which is absolutely 100% for him. And the expression to be in Christ is used by Paul many times in his letters. And it's a way of describing Jesus within us. As as we go in life, we have Jesus with us. John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans, says Jesus. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. And so we become Christ-like. People will no longer see us. But the hope is that they see Jesus in us. That last little bit says, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Sort of like a, it's a, there's an idea there we've got to grapple with. But Jesus, when we think the Holy Spirit indwelling us, Jesus himself is in us. And the last passage we're going to look at is the one that uh, Jez read, John 6, 35, 51 to 58. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life. When he said these words, as we'll find out, people didn't kind of get what he was saying. It sounded a bit like sort of cannibalism or something. What does he mean? So I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man 
give us his flesh to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. So once again, in me, I in them, remains in me. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He's talking about somehow feeding on his flesh, drinking his blood. When we have communion together, it becomes very real. We have those elements that we take into our bodies. We taste them. We consume them. And there's an image there of exactly this passage that we are taking the very, symbolically, we're taking the very life of Jesus into our being. And uh, he is in us and we in him. And that's what he means. So there's there's a sort of a spiritual idea here, not a literal idea, that Jesus' very being inhabits our body. And I think a bigger idea is that as a group, as a church, he inhabits all of us together amongst us. That's a wonderful thing. When we talk about wonder, there's a lot of wonder here. And so we, we are referencing the spirit. And you can say, well, are we talking about God, the Father being with us, the Son or the Spirit? We know they're all one. Another passage in John where it says, the Father and I will come and make our home with you. So it's confusing. Is it the Father, is it the Son, or is it the Spirit? But it's whatever way you look at it, it's all of those. It's Him. It's Jesus. He nourishes our lives. It's for this life and forever. So my thought about living this life is we're not going to just hang out and wait till we die and then we have eternal life, but it begins today. And as we're journeying along the way, I feel God has a great expectation of us. He said, I want you to live for me. Don't be too lazy about it. I want you to live for me. Realise that I'm with you. My spirit's within you. There's some great things that we can do together. Do do, Do you want to partner me in this? And hopefully we say yes. And we discover the excitement of life with him. More than just God being the author of life, he wants to have relationship with us and to journey with us. So there is a wonder to life when you think about it as originating from God. It's an amazing, remarkable life. Something beautiful and remarkable. And it's summed up in Jesus. It's summed up with his going to the cross for us. It's summed up in him living today with us and in us. So we're going to talk more in coming weeks about other wonders about Jesus as we approach Christmas. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we think about the wonder of life, we want to affirm together that you are the originator of life, and that you give us life. Lord, I pray that we would not waste our life, but that every day we would be thinking, 
how can I be loving you? How can I be serving you? How can I be walking the path of my life with you? Lord, I pray that you would continue to inspire our thinking along this thought of how we can love you and share your love with this world. And we thank you, Lord, that there is a wonder about who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name.